Good morning, comrades, and welcome to another episode of Workers' Power here on 4ZZZ. My name's Bill, and I use the he-him pronouns. And yes, I've got politicians in my eyes today, comrades. And uh, it's uh, something that's very, very close to home for me. And it's uh, the, um, the, the waste industry out, out at Ipswich there. And uh, there was a community... Um, a community forum organised by the community um, uh, on Sunday, and I was there, and I just uh, put the put put the press record, and uh, chucked the phone next to the PA, and uh, and I've got something here for you that's going to take you there. It's uh, I've had to edit the 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 hell out of it, but uh, look, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've got something that is going to take you there and give you an idea of the frustrations of the Ipswich community, um, how they're standing up and fighting back, and the politicians' response to that. So let's rip into it. We've got a, a member from from the community um, who's been organising, um, and their name is. Oh, wait, first. The name of the so- the, the the episode. I was going to call it community power, but that's workers' power because because the community are workers and the workers are the community. But then I went out on a limb and I'm going to call it Ipswich Power. So you will hear from one of the great comrades that are organising out at Ipswich uh, for for um, for for a clean air. We want these industrial polluters to be made to follow the laws. No more letting anything to go up into our air we breathe. We need them to be accountable for what they have done to the residents, children and people that work in these areas of Ipswich. We need the Health Minister and the Health Department to monitor residents, children along with workers that work in this polluted air to monitor everyone's health into the future. We need this to happen as we are concerned about what these odours and chemicals have done to our insides. We are not going to just take it from DES that these odours are below the levels and are not going to do us any harm. We know how they make us feel and what they do to us. We have had these long-term They just have not happened to us in the last week. As well as our pets, they need to be also included in this too. After all, they're family. And they suffer like we do. As a human and pets, we have rights and deserve fresh, clean, unpolluted air. Hear, hear. Just like every suburb in Queensland and not have to put up with putrid, horrendous, foul or cow manure composting with chemicals along with rotten egg gas odours, along with burning tyre smells. We want to enjoy our lives and not be prisoners in our own homes. With no fresh air, we are sick of having our windows and doors closed. Even through these gases and odours invade our houses through the vents in the ceilings and gaps through the garage doors. We have no escape from breathing these odours. There is nowhere to hide. We want to have barbecues again. We want to sit outside 
when we want to and when we choose to, not when the owners predict us to. Here, here. Yeah. We want to enjoy life and not to have restrictions on us just because of these odours. Our children and our grandchildren deserve fresh air and not to have to be walking in it in school time or after school or playing on the ovals at school. These odours, smells, end up on these children's uniforms and in their hair when they get home from school. We shouldn't have to suffer headaches, migraines, nausea, dry reaching, coughing, vomiting, eyes, nose and throats irritated, tasting of heavy metals in our throats and the heavy feeling on our chest, rashes, skin disorders, as well as our pets with rashes and coughing and sneezing. That's it. I just want to make everyone be aware that we all need to stick together this is not a one-time meeting we need to fight these companies we need to fight the health department the environment department everyone des you grow i don't care if you sue me come after me um wmi tire chip everyone we need to fight these this isn't right why should Ipswich be the dumping ground and not only for our rubbish in Queensland rubbish, but we are also getting rubbish and sewage sludge from New South Wales. Why don't they deal with their own? Why should Queensland? And that was Tracy, community member, and that's right. I'll just uh, add in the, that last little point is very, very, very valid because uh, a lot of people talk about uh, oh, Ipswich were always complaining about their waste. Um, well, correction, it's not our waste; it's yours. That's right, comrades. It's your waste that is causing problems for Ipswich residents because Ipswich is taking in the majority of waste that comes from Queensland. Not only that, it takes in, it has taken in uh, a toxic, uh, oh, what some type of toxic rubbish from uh, Papua New Guinea and sewage from New South Wales shipped up to Ipswich uh, for profit. Sewage, that's just Out of sight ridiculous. It, it is, yeah, yeah. sewage. You'd, you'd think sewage would be the kind of thing that you'd deal with, like, on site, you know, um, straight, just, like, straight away, but shipping sewage is crazy. Yeah. That's right. And uh, one of the things, look, th there was, there was a... a uh, it was. It ended up being. You know, I listened to it a fair bit last night till three in the morning, trying to edit, edit this up for, for 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 listeners. And and we've got some more more stuff to go on. But it's uh, it's um yeah, listening through uh, some good stuff has has happened. Some stuff has actually happened. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. So and and uh, hopefully uh, that'll that'll play out. Um, we're we're about to um, we're about to hear from. The mayor, who's uh, 
you know, who's been supportive of the campaign. So let, let's uh, let's hear from the, the Ipswich Mayor um, here on Workers' Power on 4 Triple Z. To say that our community, I'll say this to, to, to the Minister and to, and to DES, to say that we're frustrated is an understatement. We are beyond frustration. We have residents who are in pain. We have residents who are suffering. We have residents who are unsure of what the long-term health impacts are because of what's happening. So we're begging DES to please help us. Um, it's the role of government, all three levels of government, to work together to serve the community. And that's what I think. All three levels of government need to work together to, to get a better outcome. We've heard and we can see the heat maps that there are over 25,000 complaints over the last five years. And I think... Um, Rob for bringing that heat map. I think it's good to see um, how that data is being used and hopefully how that will impact decisions. But for us, we need action now. That's been measured for five years. I think the people of Ipswich have been generous. They've, they've you know, been obliging. They've, they've reported that. I know myself, I, I don't live in Redbeck, I live in Raceview down near, near the Canning Highway. So I also uh, report uh, to the Older Baker Task Force as well. I know what it's like when you have want friends to come over for a barbecue and you can't you can't be outside, it stinks and it's really embarrassing and you don't know when it's going to go and it's very offensive and disgusting. When you look through the history of the waste companies in Ipswich, we know that they did start here in the late 1990s and we do know that when it comes to approvals, um, I do have a, a, a fact sheet on um, waste companies as well as the frequently asked questions. But when it comes to approvals, I just thought that you know that um, it's council's responsibility to look after the, the town planning approval. So that makes sure that the, the buildings that they have there and other town planning things. When it comes to the environmental side, the state government are the authority for those approvals and the compliance. So we do have to work close together to make sure that that does happen as well. When we came as a new council in early 2020, we decided as a council just running to the media saying, stop the sink, or just wasn't going to be enough. It had been happening for many, many years. So we, we thought, how do we work smarter? How do we work a little bit differently? How do we be really, really effective? Uh, we spoke with a lot of experts in the field. We actually hired a lobbying company, uh, Hawker Britain, to help with us, a, a communications firm, uh, lawyers. We spoke with a lot of people. And in December 2020, we put out our Waste and Circular Economy Transformation Policy Directive, a uh, very bureaucratic name. But that waste directive was basically to really indicate to the state government, but also to the waste industry, that we couldn't put up with this any longer. We asked for 10 things, and one of them was a code of practice with the waste industry so that they would comply. Um, we also looked at many other things of what we wanted from the waste industry as well. One of the things we, what we were very clear about is to, be, to pull those market levers to make sure that those waste operators that deal with composting and mulching move to what's called invesseled. The other thing we did, we took a really strong stance when it came to Landtrack, BMI and Cleanaway who wanted to build 28 metre garbage mountains in our community. So we took them to court. It cost uh, over $6 million for that court case for those. So in the Planning Environment Court, you don't get costs when you win. Uh, so we won uh, when it came to Cleanaway and Landtrack and we had uh, BMI reduce what they were asking for and it's heavily conditioned and council's working with that. So that was a big win on those three companies. Can I just say, as, as the Mayor, when I look at over $6 million being spent there, I look at the opportunity cost. That is six clubhouses I could have built um, for different sporting groups. That is, just, that, that is money that 
um, that we could have spent so much better in our community, but instead we had to spend that just to get some basic human rights. And it's it's not fair. That money should, those waste companies should be made to pay for our legal fees. We've also spent a lot of other legal fees when it comes to other waste matters as well, like this other one with Newgrow. And I want to thank the community for working together with us on the Ramondas Incinerator Project. The Community Council came together, and I thank the State Government for making the decision to make sure that that didn't happen. I know that only happened because you all came together, and I really do appreciate the fact that that decision was changed. And same for Wanless as well. It was called in. Um, the Queensland Government listened to the community and council and they made a decision out of Wanless to not allow the landfill to proceed. And because it was called in, it now can't be uh, taken to court and appealed. So that's a really good outcome uh, for our community as well. I guess what I'm asking for is for the State Government to take urgent, swift compliance action. I have three asks of the State Government and I'll be very, um, and the Minister's been very generous with her time myself, I've, I've, I've let her know that these are the three asks that our community are wanting, are wanting. One is we want compliance action now, not yesterday, not it's going to court, we need that compliance action if they're not doing it, we want them shut down. We want a public health inquiry. We wrote to the Health Minister last year and begged for a health inquiry and that, that was rejected. Um, you can hear from today, there is a lot of impacts so we're again asking again for a public health inquiry. Here, here. Yeah. And thirdly, we'd like an update on cell 3B on Clean Away. We know that um, there's a lot of issues and we know that Des put a lot of work and there was court action there as well. Um, but I know, Lance, there was a, a thing to say that was going to be closed down. We'd like an update on what's happening to cell 3B and when that's closing. Shut it down. Lastly, there is a petition that, that went to the Queensland Parliament on Friday. I've certainly got it on my Facebook page. It's on the Stop the Stink. I've signed it. I also encourage everyone here to, to sign it and get their fam family and friends to sign it. Thank you. And welcome back to Workers Power here on 4 Triple Z. I'm using a B, a Bill, and the he, him pronouns. <laughs> Did I still? It came out right in the end. I'm Jenna, is she, her? And I'm Jackson, I is they, them. And, uh, yeah, we just heard from the Ipswich Mayor. I wish I could fit in... Uh, I had the time to fit in uh, Full Powers Moon... Uh, full... Uh, full... Full Flower Moon Band. Yeah, and their track, I Know the Mayor. <laughs> uh, but I just can't... I haven't got the time, so we don't have the time. Uh, but uh, what you heard there, you heard from the Mayor and you heard from, from uh, local resident Tracy, and so th th that gives you a good sum up of the of the, the frustrations of the Ipswich community. Now, now there, there, there's some people that are, that are breaking out in rashes and um, having coughing spurts and, um, you know, they're, they're my grains and uh, there's there's lots of uh, health impacts <coughs> that are, that are that are, uh, are happening um so you know and and tracy and the mayor spoke spoke really really well now during that what what, what i wanted to highlight here is because because i had to edit very very heavy heavy to tell this story because it was a three hour uh community conference a community consultation and um we the, the start and a, a lot of what i've uh, taken out is the technical stuff mm. now we there, there's a um one of the community campaigns that uh, campaigners out there um it, it, his name is jeff and they're, they're fantastic but i couldn't uh, the, the man is a wealth of uh, knowledge when it comes to uh uh dodgy ipswich uh waste companies and uh 
he it, it was 45 minutes on him alone you know so <laughs> and then and then what what else happened is um and I, and I've had to uh, pull, uh, leave them off it as well. Um, is the director general of uh, or the oh, I don't know the official target, the deputy, well, a bureaucrat from uh, from the environment department, <laughs> right, came along and um, talked about how they're doing some good things. They're doing some good things, right? I went and had, up and had a chat to him at the end, and. I, I wanted to talk to him. Yeah, you're doing some good things, but but I, what I, the point I was trying to get across is it, it sounds like you need more resources. But uh, the way that I did it, it was, it was a poor communication, probably on my bar, but he wasn't very receptive regardless. What happened during the th- those three hours? At least 30 times it was um, talked about how it was... Um, the the community needed to do this. The community needed to do that to get it fixed. Mm. They're trying to put it back onto the community, right? I get that the, the, the both the, the the Department of Environment and the Department of Health are do, doing doing um, you know some some good work in what they can do in the legislation that's provided to them and the funding that is provided to them. As an Ipswich resident, I say, and this is something that he he probably can't ask for or or say public, I say he needs more funding. I want him to get more money. And he was just being completely rude to me and walked away from me saying, oh, you can say what you like. Well, that's right, mate. I can say what I like, (laughs) right? Um, Because I've got a platform. Right? Yeah, and, you, got, uh, you got two hours to say what you like every Tuesday. <laughs> but, you know, look, look, I, I, I've said my piece, and look, they're, they're doing good work, right? But it's just another example of how sometimes bureaucrats don't want to listen to the community. That's your whole job, mate. Yeah. All right, and so here's a, a, a re- response... Um, from from Lance McCullen, the local uh, uh, MP, ALP uh, MP, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll listen to his response. You, you can't hear him quaking in there, but but you, you can hear that uh, that he's trying his damnedest uh, to uh, win over the Ipswich people. So let's uh, let's give Lance a, 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 a say here on Workers Power on Four Triple Z. These companies have zero social license in our community because they show our community zero respect. I was actually hoping that maybe some of the representatives from the companies themselves would have been here today to answer a few questions, but they're not. Because as far as I'm concerned, it's gutless and it's a bit of an insult. Companies that are doing the wrong thing by our community and the environment should be brought to full account. You have an expectation as a community that companies will be brought to account, ones that are doing the wrong thing. You need to keep elected people like me, elected people like all of us, accountable. It's our job to help make sure that the Department of Environment and Science, the independent regulator, whatever level of government it is, is doing everything that they can 
to make sure the companies that are doing the wrong thing are brought to account. So I'd like to thank the representatives from DES that have come here today. I'd like to thank the Minister for giving up her time to come and spend some time with our community. When it comes to the actions of myself, Jen and Sharice as state MPs for this local area, I want to run through a few things that we've been doing in relation to this. The Palaszczuk government reintroduced something called the waste levy, which was scrapped by the previous government. That opened up the floodgates for interstate waste to come up into Queensland and be put into local landfill over at Swanbank and Newcham. That was reintroduced and that has saved hundreds of thousands of tonnes of waste coming over the border from New South Wales into our local community. Bit more recently though, earlier this year, we passed new environmental laws in Parliament. Part of these laws were tougher penalties, over a million dollars for individuals, over four million dollars uh, for, for companies, as well as stronger enforcement powers for the regulator. It, include, it includes the department being able to keep directors of companies that are visiting environmental harm personally responsible. I think that's a really, really good step. I want to acknowledge the work of the regulator. Like, you know, Des has got a, a tough job. But last year, they stepped up when Clean Away was impacting our community with that absolutely wretched smell <coughs> after we'd been smashed by the floods. Des spent over 800 hours on site, seven days a week, day and night. They brought in specialists, over 60, 60 people. And you've heard Rob talk about the compliance action that that has resulted in. That's where the canister program came from. As we know, Clean Away is still before the court, so I won't say anything more. Now, after Clean Away, with local MPs, worked together, advocated for, and were successful in getting that independent review of our environmental framework. That was undertaken by a retired judge of the Planning and Environment Court with over 20 years experience and a senior Crown prosecutor. Now that is serious expertise and serious legal firepower. That report was handed to government, completely independent, by the way, that review was, handed to government earlier this year. We made it public, as Mr Lawrence said, there's 18 recommendations, and all of those recommendations have been supported by government. As Rob mentioned, there is a consultation paper out right now about how we can make these 18 recommendations into new laws and reforms. Now, these reforms include things like hard wiring human health and safety into the Environmental Act. It includes things like 
introducing the precautionary principle into environmental law, which means you start from a position of saying there should be no harm. It includes polluter pays, which means this issue of who's going to pay. These are great reforms and we really, really encourage you to engage with the consultation through our offices directly with DES. Ask some of the officers that are here this afternoon. So, I've always said that companies that are doing the wrong thing, we should throw the book at them. And in the case of this review, we're actually writing a bigger book. This is landmark stuff. So, we have been and we will continue to keep working hard on this issue. We want to work cooperatively with all levels of government, including the council. Because fundamentally, these companies that are impacting our community and our environment, if they can't or won't do the right thing and stop their stink, then they should pack up and leave or they should be made to stop. So thanks. Thank you for inviting me to the meeting along with all of the local members. My name is Leanne Linard. I'm the new Environment Minister. You may have recognised um, the former minister who did come to the last meeting, Megan Scanlon. So I've been in the role here for, for four months as the Environment Minister, but I just want to appreciate the fact that for you this has been a long journey and it's something that you're really concerned about. And I know how important it is to you because the local members have ensured that I'm very, very aware of that. So while I might have been in this particular chair for four months, um, I want you to know that they have brought me up to speed with the challenges that you've been experiencing for a long time. And I rushed here from another event and just acknowledge and, and thank them for letting me go early as well, because I know that this was really important that I be here along with, can I also acknowledge my department. I do have my Director General here, as well as the Deputy Director General, Rob, who's the independent regulator and um, important because they have a lot of powers as they should uh, and and just want to acknowledge what Rob said and thank you for your generosity I, I know you are frustrated but you were very um, generous to Rob because I do realize this has been going on for a long time but I do want you to know as a minister when you come in and you're getting briefed by your department you're always looking for uh, is enough being done on this issue is there more we can do and is every lever being used and i have had many a briefing across a, it's a very broad agency of course i have but in regard to this issue this is very very current and very much an issue for you when i saw the heat maps also thank you for bringing them rob um, that was also to show you that when you're making a complaint it's absolutely being recorded and utilised to build the evidence so that the department, the regulator, can take action moving forward. So I do thank you for your time coming out today and the very least I could do um, as the minister is to come and just reflect on a few things if I can. I'm not going to look back. You've also been briefed quite um, in detail by Rob as well as Lance. So I want to focus on a few future-focused things that I'm looking at as the Minister in conjunction with the Department. So the first, of course, 
is the regulatory action. I will be regularly briefed, as is appropriate, by the independent regulator as things progress. I won't comment any further about that action because I know that none of you want myself or the regulator or anybody else to say anything here which could jeopardise what we hope will be successful actions in regard to what's happening with the regulator. But I do want to touch on the fact that um, please know that additional resources have absolutely been given to the regulator and they are very, very focused on these issues. Um, and acknowledge DG, uh, the Director General also, for ensuring that we are putting everything we can into this while maintaining um, the other responsibilities across the agency in other areas where there might be concerns. The second point I just wanted to make is around the Hedge and Jones review. I know it can be very technical when we do reviews of acts and Lance had a copy of it there, but please do have your say. We really need you to make sure that when those um, submissions come back to department, they don't have to be legally prepared submissions. They're just your submissions about the things that you are experiencing and that are concerning you. And I know that Jen and Sharice and Lance will find a way to empower your voices as part of the community consultation that I opened on Thursday to be a part of that because that is very important to us as well. Importantly in those 18 recommendations, and we have already indicated as a government that we'll accept all of them, um, the three things that stood out to me there, which are directly, because it'll, it'll apply across the state, but that are really focused on what's happening here, is the Act will be changed, and Lance said this, to have a much stronger focus on human health, well-being and safety. So when you're complaining about the impacts on your health and well-being, that that should absolutely be considered um, a priority in respect of harm. The second is that introducing a general environmental duty that puts a much greater responsibility on operators to prevent harm with criminal sanctions. But it's a more focus on prevention rather than then getting obviously compliance notices post-harm, how do we prevent the harm happening in the first place? And new measures really that I think we can change and condition licences, which will be, there will be conversations and some these will be contested. Not everybody will support these things because it does mean stronger action against companies. So that's why we do as a community, need your voice to be heard as part of that. Another thing which is we're very focused on uh, and I'm looking at is that as a government from the waste levy, we are uh, investing record sums into improving recycling in Queensland. And Lance has already mentioned the waste levy. Uh, the waste levy, of course, reduced solids coming over the border, but I do want to have a look in conjunction with my department, um, DG's aware of this, as is Rob, about liquid waste. So we'll be looking at that. Um, you mentioned that, Tracy. Sorry, I should have acknowledged you. I apologise at the beginning. Um, thank you for sharing your story. That always takes a lot of courage, and I know that you have done that repeatedly, but it's also exhausting when it's something that is bothering you and is deeply concerning. So that's something I want to look at. I want to look at what levels are coming across and what levers we have now, what levers we may need to consider, but that's something I'll be uh, liaising with my agency about. Uh, so in regard to uh, composting, we are focusing our funding on covered in-vessel organics facilities, not operations with open windrows like some of the Swan Bank facilities. And that was acknowledged earlier that that's an issue. So we will absolutely also not be investing the significant sums we have from the waste levy in any facilities that have a poor compliance record. And we have been quite clear with Ipswich City Council about that um, in our partnering on the rollout of FOGO.
They are absolutely two values we have. We don't want to empower those who don't do the right thing by you, and we want to make sure it's in vessel. Um, another point that I'm talking to my department about, and please know, I don't always go out there and say, I'm, I'm talking to my agents about this or that. I am taking you into that confidence. This is your community. You deserve to be taken into confidence. We're trying every single lever we can in regard to the concerns you're experiencing here. I've asked my department to bring forward a new environmental protection policy that would require all existing organics facilities in close proximity to residential areas like yours to transition to fully enclosed facilities within a relatively short time frame. So I need to continue to be consulted um, with the agency. There'll be those who'll have other thoughts. Um, your local members are very, very clear about what their expectations are as we move forward. But if that's another lever that is the Environment Minister I can utilise or the independent regulator can utilise, we need to look at that. Um, we are investing, as Rob said, in a new, broader uh, monitoring network across the community to capture information, um, to prevent responder issues. It won't just be odour. I think it needs to be, we've talked about water and odour issues as well. We've asked the council to partner with us in that and the uh, mayor was um, positive. Yes, yep, about partnering together. Um, and as the Mayor said, and absolutely committed to this, all levels of government have to work together. None of you are interested in politics. You shouldn't worry about politics. It's not what it's about. It's about community. I always say the same thing in my own electorate of Nudgee, and I'll say it anywhere else in Queensland. Um, it's about the community first and foremost. So we'll be working with Council, and of course, as the Mayor acknowledged, we both have very important roles. I acknowledge DES as the regulator has an incredibly important role, and Council as an enforcement authority has an incredibly important role and we're just going to look at every lever we have um, absolutely so we'll be devoting major resources to that the last point and i've been um, jotting down notes as you've all spoken is in respect of the minister for health i've spoken to the minister for health and raise your concerns i understand she's getting a briefing from her department i can't obviously say anything more than that but just to let you know that when the issues have been raised with me around um, odor that I've certainly let the new health minister know about that. And I just acknowledge and thank her for sending a public health officer here because I know some of your concerns relate to your own personal health concerns. So I thank you and acknowledge you for coming to the request. So thank you. Uh, I'm not going to mince words with you today. I, I think this is a disgraceful state of affairs. Yeah. This is an absolutely disgraceful state of affairs and you deserve better from every level of government. And I, I'm not going to make it about politics. It is unacceptable. It is unacceptable that in this day and age that the local residents of the Ipswich region should have to put up with these odours. The last report I got was from Tracy and I can tell you 5.30pm yesterday I got a report from Tracy and I read that report Tracy and I want to say to the person who emailed you and I'll say this down the camera, email me. Don't email Tracy, or if you're gonna email Tracy and complain that she's raising issues, send me a copy. Send me a copy and come and have a talk to me in my Senate office, because that is unacceptable. That is unacceptable. I've looked at the slides and I wasn't across the detail, and I'm a detailed person, as Jeff said. I used to be company secretary and general counsel of a mining company, Copper Gold Mining Company. I've done work all over the world. Yeah, that's about enough of that from him. Here on Workers' Power, uh, we, we, we're not uh, miners' power. Uh, and uh, that was LMP Senator Paul Scar. And I, I, I say this, 
that uh, even a, a, a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> and uh, just to, to note with uh, Paul uh, and, uh, uh, and uh, the LNP, they took... Uh, $11,000 in donations uh, <laughs> from one of the company's owners in question and then comes down with all that tripe at a, at a public meeting, you know. Mm. Um, just just glorified politician, you know. So, yeah, I've got him in my eyes and uh, jumping on a community campaign bandwagon yeah. and telling the crowd what they want to hear. Meanwhile, taking thousands upon thousands of dollars from them and in, in, in his campaign. Now, the ALP is not much better. They took $11,000 from Newgrow as well, oh, which yeah. is one of the companies that's causing problems out there. Now, you did hear uh, from the minister and, and the, uh, the, the local member and, uh, of how they, they are... Well, let's let, let's be honest. They're backflipping, and mm. they're they're coming to support the community. And uh, one one of those ways that they've said that they're supporting the community is through reintroduction of the waste levy. Now, what's happened with the waste levy, though, is that it's created this windfall for them, yeah. because businesses are just paying it. It's not sto- it's not they stopping the waste. It. They so can, can afford get away it. With it. So there's this huge huge wad of cash that the waste industry are paying off to still ship waste to, to, to new grow. To her credit there, she mentioned that uh, it's not applied. The minister said that it doesn't apply to the sewerage, but they're going to look into that. So they'll, they'll raise more money. And what happens yeah. is they'll get addicted to that money. Yeah. And uh, they'll want the waste coming back in. And that way, that, that, that money, it's, it's a levy, you know, or a penalty, if you will. And just like penalty rates in our workplace, they should be a deterrent, not an expense of doing business. Hmm. Yeah, and I guess a similar thing to that as well would be cigarettes. Like, the government at this point isn't actually interested in preventing, in, in like, stopping cigarette use or lowering cigarette use. They just want to get as much money from cigarette smokers as they can. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, we, we've we've got uh, we've got one more speech in in, in here, and uh, we, we'll go to that. I'm pretty sure it goes uh, uh, straight to 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 my comrade uh, Danny from the from the Ipswich Lockyer Greens um, here on Workers Power on Four Triple Z. But ladies and gentlemen, Danny Martin. Thank you, Tracy and Jeff, for organising the meeting today. Can everyone give Tracy and Jeff a big hand? For those who I don't know, I'm the Green spokesperson for the Ipswich Lockheed Greens. Our core principles are non-violence, social justice, grassroots democracy, and ecological sustainability. Uh, we have a long history of standing shoulder to shoulder with the community around the issues with the waste industry. Working with the Ipswich residents against toxic environments, otherwise known as irate, and the Ipswich City Council. We have been active on the ground during the anti-Ramondus incinerator campaign and have spoken out and driven the direct action campaign against the non-compliance of the waste industry. Thus you see Ippy Ibis who gets a lot of attention when we do that. State Greens MP for Maywa, Michael Berkman, and Queensland Greens Senators, Larissa Waters and Penny Orman-Payne, do pass on their apologies today. 
Um, and they have also been speaking out and have helped amplify residents' voices, attended a back road dump tour with Irate and the Ipswich Lockyer Greens to see from the dirt roads exactly what's going on with the waste industry. Michael also backed in the community against the Rwandas incinerator and spoke at a community rally against the incinerator held in Darcy Doyle Place in 2019. The Queensland Greens and the Ipswich Lockheed Greens continue to support the community to stop the stink of the waste industry in the Ipswich region, backing in the Ipswich City's Council's calls for a health inquiry into the impacts of the waste industry on residents in the Ipswich community. Michael Berkman did also write to the Health Minister and he also got a similar no response about a health inquiry. Shame, shame, shame. Our community and our support for the community has never stopped. We all deserve to walk outside, breathe fresh air and not have to worry about negative health impacts. Um, and, and also, this is happening off the back of record profits that these waste corporations are making. Tracy and Michelle. Michelle, can you come up? Do you want to come up the front and stand with Tracy? Tracy and Michelle have been doing an amazing job getting the media support that you've seen. And I can't believe the amount of media. And it's amazing because they've got real life health impacts that they can talk about. No one can say, no, that hasn't happened to you. Um, and you're doing a tremendous job and it's it's exhausting. It's um, You're putting yourself out there and I think we should all give them a show of hands for the amazing job that we're doing. More needs to be done and we all need to be united and we need to keep pushing the message that we won't stop until we can be guaranteed a safe and healthy environment to, to actually live in. And we all know that the state government is the regulator. The buck stops with the state government. Tracy'sChange.org petition is fantastic and it's doing really well and getting lots of support. And we thank Tracy again for your hard work with that. Um, what we did discover though is the state government doesn't accept change.org petitions. So basically we do need to push this to the state government to get it rectified. Um, so working with Tracy and Michelle and Jeff and I, right, um, we've actually come up with a petition. It's a state government petition that went live on Friday afternoon and it's been sponsored by Michael Berkman and he will actually table that in Parliament in the first sitting week at the at, um, of 2024. Um, but that we would be calling on the state government to actually rectify it before we table it. That would be lovely, um, but that's our backstop if they don't. Um, basically, by having a state MP sponsor the petition, it means it can't be ignored and it means that it will be tabled in parliament. Um, and Michael was very happy to sponsor the petition. In the petition, I guess we've got some very clear asks of the state government. So I'll quickly run through them. A declaration of an environmental health event in relation to air pollution created by the waste industry. Establishment of a panel of inquiry into the health impacts of the waste industry on residents. Immediate cessation of operations where non-compliance is shown. Have the regulated direct compost and mulching operators to enclose their facilities. The state government to direct clean away at their new Chum landfill site to permanently close cell 3B and commence rehabilitation. Department of Environment Science and the Odour Abatement Task Force to conduct proactive enforcement and compliance activities for waste operators. 
quarterly public community meetings to be held by the Odor Abatement Task Force and DES the regulator, and the establishment of air quality stations in suburbs where odour complaints have been lodged with the OAT, the Odour Abatement Task Force. So that's, that's the clear asks in the petition that we're asking you to support. Um, and basically, we want to make sure that uh, your issues are not ignored by the waste industry or by your state um, Labor MPs. We've got an election next year. So really, this is your opportunity to support the petition and put the pressure on your state MPs to act because they're supposed to be out there actually representing you and the issues that you face in the community. Um, and just one other thing I want to touch on is political donations. So both major parties accept political donations in Queensland from the waste industry and their lobbyists. The Greens do not accept corporate donations or big business donations. We do not accept political donations from the waste industry or their lobbyists. So basically, we, we actually support the community. We're more interested in the community. So there needs to be a change. And I'm calling on state representatives, all actually representatives of the two major parties here today, to actually say we will not take any more donations from waste operators in our community. Hands up if you agree. Hands up if you agree. Should they be taking political donations from the waste industry? So you've heard our message loud and clear. Thank you so much for your time. All right, what, I'm, what I've got is I've got a statement for all of you in, in uh, the audience. And uh, I want you to uh, have a look at the power that you have collectively. Look, look at what we've got here. We've got uh, ministers, we've got opposition ministers. We've got, have we got enough for a quorum at council? You know, look, 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 at, you look, at, your, look at your power when you've come together um, as a community. So if we continue to stand up and fight back against these powers, we will fix this problem. And welcome back to Ipswich Power here on Workers <laughs> Power for Triple Z. Uh, my name's Bill. I use the he/him pronouns. I'm Jenna. Use she/her. Now, just to to, to uh, um, you know sum up uh, uh, the um, the first hour of uh, of our show, which was actually Ipswich Power. Um, yes, it, it was. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, good to good to hear from the community, and then good to actually hear the politicians actually act, acting. You know, so and that's what happens with community pressure. And uh, you heard that the last voice that you heard, <laughs> uh, if you didn't recognise it, uh, was uh, your very own Bill from Workers Power here on Four Triple Z. Right, so what's going to happen now? Uh, oh, yeah, just want to quickly quickly say that what we're going to do is, because uh, I know a lot of the the, the uh, residents have cottoned on that the, the, they were on the on the show, right? Mm. Um, but it was mainly for the Brisbane residents. Yeah. To let the Brisbane residents know that this is not our problem. This is not Ipswich's waste problem. 
it's yours. Mm. It's the rest of southeast Queensland. It's coming from New South Wales. It's coming Papua from far New Guinea. from Papua New Guinea. So, so that's right. This message was for 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 Brisbane residents, so that they know the 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 problems that their waste is causing the Ipswich community. Now, what we're going to do is uh, for for the Ipswich community, really keen to hear that. We will share this episode to the Stop the Stink page. And for, for anyone else who wants more information on that, you go to st- put Stop the Stink in Facebook and um, up, come, uh, up will come this community campaign. We will share the, um, the episode to uh, Stop the Stink. And sometime later this week, it's a lot of work, and we're volunteers, aren't we, Jackson, you yeah. know? So, and Jackson and I will work on it, and what we're going to do is create a, a, a podcast a version of the entire um the two entire, and a half hour recording. Yeah, two and a half hour recording of the full full thing. So you look forward to that. Now, one last thing from me, I've I, I got to go. The crew are, 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 are going to take over as, as they as they well can. Um, Damn right. That's right. And uh, that's why we're a team here at Workers' Power because I'm off to uh, fight for uh, uh, workers' rights for, for J-Car bargaining. Hell yeah. So I will sign off early and I will see you next Tuesday. But stick around for more Workers' Power. You're listening to Workers' Power here on 4ZZZ. My name is Jackson and I use they, them pronouns. I'm Jen and I use she, her. Bill has gone off to fight for workers' rights. um, And And that means you're stuck with us. (laughs) Yeah, to talk about the news this week. Uh, We've got some pretty big stories, actually. um, And we'll see how much we can get through in the hour we've got left. I can talk fast. (laughs) All right, well, let's get started with the first one, which is from some secret graves at Kinchella Boys' home. And this comes from NITV News. Potential clandestine or unmarked graves have been found on the ground of Kinchella Aboriginal Boys' training home near Kempsey, New South Wales. The boys' home is known as one of the most violent institutions of the Stolen Generations era. It ran under the operation of the Aborigines Protection Board, later known as the Aborigines Welfare Board, a division of the New South Wales government. Between 1924 and 1970, it's believed almost 600 Aboriginal boys, as young as five, were taken from their families and detained there. Today, only 56 survivors remain. The Guardian revealed the findings on Thursday, reporting that potential graves were identified at nine suspicious sites on the grounds. The sites were identified via a ground-penetrating radar. The report identified high-priority anomalies at the sites, which display signal patterns that in other contexts have been proven to be human burials. It, is, it notes that if human remains are found in the identified areas, they would likely be the clandestine burial type and not the typical Christian burials. The report, which was sent to the New South Wales government six months ago, recommended excavation as a way to determine if remains are buried on site and acknowledge there may be other graves in locations not yet examined at the home. Conchella Boys Home Aboriginal Corporation, the survivor organisation for the institution, is lobbying both the state and federal governments to fund further searches on the property. 
KBHAC are also calling for the excavation at the, the identified sites to understand if the remains are children and if they were buried secre- secretly. We heard a similar story to this um, around a year ago, I think, um, from a Canadian uh, institution very similar to this, um, taking uh, Indigenous children from their families and yes. training them to be Christian or just outright killing them, apparently. Um, there's there's some parallels um, between, between what happened with the Stolen Generations here and the Stolen Generations in Canada hmm. and the, the in all areas of Canada, but the, the particular one we reported on, I think, was the Wet'suwet'en. Hmm. And I mean, of course, they're both projects of British colonisation uh, and taking, diff- taking similar approaches to each other. Taking the children and trying to force them to be Christian and speak English... Yeah, so uh, with, with stories like that and like uh, similar stories at Deeping Creek and other places around Australia, it, it's not a particular surprise that bodies there are, are definitely found bodies at there. this at this boys' home, um, and they are absolutely children. It's uh, one, one interesting part about this story is the uh, apparent attempted cover-up by the government. They tried to keep it really quiet, not let anyone know this was actually the result of a leak from um, some uh, from a, from a, someone who had found out about this, who was involved in the investigation. I think uh, someone from the Kinchella Boys Home Aboriginal Corporation. Um, uh, I didn't get that particular detail, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, they and they wanted to make sure that this information was public, that people knew what happened uh, and that something was done about it. They're trying to get the bodies excavated so they can find out and get uh, and like get the truth about what happened. And, and there, there needs to be more ground penetrating radars mm. because this is there's there's definitely more that remains to be discovered. Um, what's interesting is that um, they in Canada, Indigenous groups are going to take the Canadian government and the Catholic Church to the Human Rights Court right. o- over it. Um, and I wonder if that would be possible to do here, as it's like a very obvious parallels, um, mm. covering up the murder of children. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see. Like when you say the Human Rights Court, is that like a UN human yeah. rights? I see. Yeah, so but that would th- they've be got a bunch of lawyers on board. Yeah. I don't know. Obviously, nothing can undo the genocide. Yeah, but um, I think taking on the Catholic Church is huge. It's pretty good because <laughs> the Catholic Church is more powerful than a lot of people know. Um, yeah, they, they definitely have a lot of influence. They have a lot of money. <laughs> they sure do. They sure do. It's 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 a definitely a, a a big thing. But um, I mean, what else can you do? Hmm. But then they can't hide anything from these ground penetrating radars. <laughs> yeah, Catholic Church versus the uh, the march of technology. They've they've kept kept it covered up for years, but you know. No, you can't you can't cover it up for ever hmm. the truth will get out um all right hopefully something comes of that um moving on we have uh the where well, nothing came from uh a public leak <laughs> about uh atrocious 
uh, occurrences. Uh, this story is also from NITV News. Queensland police officers and staff who made racist comments in leaked recordings have yet to receive disciplinary sanctions despite the commissioner's promise. Uh, the recordings revealed officers joking about... Um, okay, I'm going to put a quick content warning for... Uh, horrific racism here so uh, tune out for like a couple minutes if you don't want to hear that um, the recordings revealed officers joking about beating and burying black people amid other racist slurs and Islamophobic comments while working in a Brisbane watch house uh, the Queensland Police Commissioner Katarina Carroll said last year she believed officers who make such comments should not be in the organisation after The Guardian published the recordings in November 2022. Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk condemned the recordings and Deputy Police Commissioner Mark Wheeler apologised at the time, saying beliefs and remarks have no place in society saying the beliefs and remarks have no place in society, let alone a professional workplace where vulnerable people are held in custody. However, nine months later, The Guardian Australia revealed two police officers and two assistant watchhouse officers were dealt with via local management resolution, a process defined in the QPS procedures as appropriate when disciplinary sanctions are not required. Last year, Carol admitted the police disciplinary system was broken after numerous examples of racist and sexist comments within the force that had been addressed via LMR. Despite the admission, an internal investigation was, was conducted. The watchhouse officers were dealt with via LMR and no consequences have been handed down. National Director at Change the Record and Gungari person Maggie Mun said it was mind-blowing the officers had avoided repercussions and called the investigation insufficient. These things were serious enough for someone to courageously blow the whistle and it's only been investigated internally, they told The Guardian. I'm not surprised that an internal investigation hasn't amounted to any real justice or accountability. Neither are we. <laughs> Moving on to our next story, water is wet. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> no uh, punishments, of course not, because they're cops, and that, that that's just typical cop behaviour. Yeah, the the police the, the police are a racist institution. By being racist, they were just doing their jobs. And the thing they were joking about was beating and burying black people. Yeah, absolutely abhorrent stuff. The Which. You can see a direct correlation how someone holding the belief mm. that, that it's fun to joke about that might, might I don't know, impact them to actually... Especially when they're in a position where they have the legal right to use violence against people. They can kill people and get away with it. They do kill people and get away they with it. They do kill people and get away with it. Um... Leaks like this uh, obviously create a big uproar. Um, but this is only what we hear. What What about when it wasn't recorded? Yeah. I mean, th obviously, th if they're saying stuff like this um, and getting caught, they're saying stuff like this every day, you know? Yeah. Um, they, they weren't even trying to hide it. They were just saying this stuff openly in the watch house. Um, this is just casual talk for Queensland police officers, and I'm sure police officers everywhere. Um, well, well we, we, there was a recent one uh, overseas that was really, really horrible where um, a person did die. I w and and uh, there was there was a recording that leaked off an officer um, saying that she was low value. Oh God, yeah. Um, That's pretty disgusting. And she's actually dead. Yeah. 
um, yeah, so th this kind of stuff, um, it's, not, it's not surprising at all. Uh, the police got caught being racist and, um, well, there, there wasn't um, anything that really forced them to actually take any action, you know? Um, Even sure when they get recorded doing it, it doesn't matter. Uh, a lot of people got angry and shouted very loudly, um, but the police are a very powerful institution and they're not going to stop being racist unless they are actually physically fought on it, you know? And they laugh at it. Yeah. And they go to a seminar. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the, very, the police are racist. Who would have thought? Um... <laughs> We've got a Cross River Rail story here. This is a post from the ETU Facebook page. Yeah, shout out to the ETU. ETU members joined the Building Trades group of unions who walked off the job last Thursday for a rally and march to Parliament. We're demanding best practice industry conditions for government projects over $100 million, including for renewable projects that will be ramping up with the Queensland Energy Plan. Uh, best practice, practice industry conditions includes clauses on health and safety, employing and supporting apprentice, First Nations and women workers. The Cross River Rail project has seen multiple safety issues since the start, most recently when a scaffolder fell 12 metres at the Bogo Road site. The Cross River Rail projects should have been uh, completed under BPICs with multiple building trade unions signing on the, to the agreement. Instead, we have seen poor conditions and workers' safety undermined. 12 metres hmm. from a scaffold. Yeah, the Cross River Rail work construction sites are absolutely um, horrific. Like, the, the safety issues going on there, they've been talking about them for months and doing nothing. And, of course, the CFMEU, ETU, and other building uh, trades unions are out in the, went out on the streets again last Thursday in another one of their massive rallies. And this isn't the only safety issue, falling, falling off things. Mm. There's, there's been other ones throughout. I remember one that was mentioned like last year was like the water that was like leaking and you know in the water were dangerous oh, yeah. like stuff just stuff from from construction yeah. site construction sites are generally pretty uh full of poisonous stuff like they like up to their ankles in water hmm. um and, and they, they, the worker was concerned because there were like school kids nearby oh yeah yeah. Definitely. Oh, and what about that um that 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 giant piece of metal that fell? Yeah, the <laughs> like the one that fell like right through the window of a uh, forklift. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. Narrowly missing a worker's skull. Yeah. Um terrifying. Terrifying. And those are just three off the top of my head. And I don't even work at the site and I and I'm aware of these yeah. these safety issues. So these there's the safety issues in every corner of this project. Yeah, it's it's something that <laughs> really needs something done about, hey. Yeah, um. yeah. It's not just one <laughs> safety issue, it's it's lots of safety issues. Yeah. Um so yeah, another another big CFMU slash ETU slash etc. rally. Um good on them. Uh our next story 
uh, this time we've got more police doing uh, awful stuff. This oh. time, uh, fear of Australian border force raids sending workers underground. Um, this is from Kai Holroyd from the Mandura Mail. Australian sex workers have criticised Australian border force for raids on brothels and their targeting of sex workers, saying it was causing more harm than good. The ABF has been cracking down on sex worker exploitation and abuse within Australia since late 2022 as part of Operation Inglenook, but the approach is all wrong, according to sex workers who have dealt with raids on their workplaces and dehumanisation. Scarlet Alliance CEO Mish Pony said that, that the union had approached the Department of Home Affairs to try and reach a solution that prioritised worker safety. We are trying to engage with the Department of Home Affairs and Border Force around the harm that these raids cause. We're still working through that process, they said. There's a bit of, quite a bit of trauma and disruption and fear because your workplace has been stormed by armed personnel, but there's also the fear of deportation for migrants who may be working without the correct visa. Border Force sees that as a successful raid. McSpony said that the fear of deportation and ha had already stopped sex workers from feeling able to talk to police or other agencies, proven in a leaked review from former Victorian Police Commissioner Christine Nixon, and that the latest raids had simply reinforced that. Our argument is that we need to be addressing the barriers that migrant sex workers face in accessing labour protections. However, Border Force seems to not be amenable or interested in that strategy and continue to pursue a raid and rescue approach despite the overwhelming evidence of other harms that they cause, they said. Mon from Scarlet's Alliance Asian Migrant Sex Worker Advisory Group, or AMSWAG, shared her own story with Border Force raids. She explained that border force agents would enter with no notice, split workers up, and stop them from contacting outside help, not even translators for those who speak little English. When they're banging on the door, I know I was allowed to work, but it was still so scary. How they treat us workers is not quite human, she said. You're not allowed to call anyone. It's not like they, the way they talk to us is gentle. They really yell at us like we're criminals. I think even if a person has broken their work permits or doesn't have their work permit, they shouldn't be talked to like that. She remembered an industry friend of hers who was so afraid of the border force agents that she broke both of her legs jumping out of a second story window rather than deal with Jesus them. Christ. Mon added that while the raids can be conducted under good intentions, <laughs> it was sending workers underground and rather than limiting risk, it was only making things worse. If they keep raiding all these sexual service premises, it will only put people under more risk. People will try to hide, They'll, they isolate because of how they're treated, they go underground, she said. I think it's about saviorism, trying to rescue people and making it worse. They're not thinking that what they do isn't really helping us. Uh, McSpony said that a firewall between workplace protections and law enforcement would help workers feel more comfortable accessing workplace protection, knowing that it wouldn't be flagged with the Australian Border Force. Our position has always been uh, that access to legal and accessible migration pathways for migrant sex workers make them less reliant on third parties and more able to access labour protections that are available to Australian citizens, they said. Other things we're calling for are a firewall between Fair Work, Fair Work Australia and Work Health and Safety Enforcement Agencies and the immigration system. So even if someone is working without a visa, they're still able to access labour protections without fearing that the information will end up with immigration and end with a deportation. The recent raids have been conducted as part of Operation Inglenook, a multi-agency crackdown on exploitation of migrant workers across all industries, but with a heavy focus on sex work.
The operation is led by Australian Border Force, but also includes the Australian Federal Police, Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission, and the Australian Transaction Reports and Analysis Centre. A spokesperson for the Australian Border Force said they had a zero-tolerance policy. The ABF have zero tolerance for this practice of underpaying or exploiting migrant workers in Australian workplaces, regardless of the industry where this may occur, they said. Regardless, nobody, regardless of their visa status, how long they're in Australia for, or what, it, what work they undertake deserves to be subjected to exploitation of any kind. So far, 99 people have been referred for visa cancellation as a result of Operation Inglenook, while 601 visas have been referred for refusal. Two registered migration agents' uh, registration have been cancelled and a number of others have been referred for investigation, while eight education providers of concern have been referred to the Australian Skills Quality Authority. What stupid logic are they operating under (laughs) when they're saying that no migrant deserves to be subjected to exploitation of any kind like as if you deport them back they won't be (laughs) exploited overseas and when it's your threat of deportation that is allowing them to be exploited do you think that 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 deporting them back will prevent them from being exploited (laughs) it's it's absolutely ridiculous what they say as if the sex work industry is any less exploitative in, in other countries. Yeah. Shut up, <laughs> idiot. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so ridiculous. They, they're talking about this Operation Ingunuk as if it's something that's preventing the exploitation of migrant workers when it is what is exactly causing the exploitation of migrant workers. The threat of deportation is what allows migrant workers to be exploited, is what allows the bosses to have this so- such threatening power over the migrant workers. Because if they report them to border force, they, go, they get sent home and they no longer have the means to support themselves or their family. A lot of them risk a lot to get here. Yeah. It's not easy, all right? And, like, uh, there are lots of, of, of migrant sex workers, but a big majority of them are from parts of Asia. With really big sex tourism industries that are really exploitative mm. and really bad. And and they're ch- a, a lot of them do a, do a lot. They do the most to try and come here, right, and work in a profession that's familiar to them. But, but oh, these big white knights, the Australian <laughs> border force, are going to save them by raiding them, yelling at them, treating them like they're not human, yeah. not even providing a translator, and, I, I... and sending them back so that they won't be exploited. They're going to be exploited in, 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 in where they're being deported to. It's not about you're trying to stop them from being exploited. Shut up. Yeah, I, I can't really imagine that there's actually much saviorism going on there. I'm pretty sure that the Australian border force are just racist. They're just doing it for fun. Yeah, they, they, they hate black people or non-white people. Well, Asian they, women are the main demographic here. Yeah, and they want to... Um, deport them and make their lives hell. Uh, For no reason. That woman broke both her legs. Yeah. Because of the, the, the fear she felt in that moment. It must have been terrifying. These people have weapons and they're barging in and you don't speak English? Hmm. 
Yeah, like even with the um, recent uh, strides that the sex worker movement have made, especially here in Queensland, um, with the border force and Operation Inglenook and stuff like this happening, um, it's it's still a very dangerous. The the sex industry is still a very dangerous industry to work in. Absolutely, um, but especially for migrant workers. Yeah, and, and for migrant workers, it's often one of the only choices they have, um, uh, especially if they no visa. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, for real, and and there's no sex worker movement that that excludes these migrant women. Because they are being targeted the most. They're the easiest to target. Sure, all sex workers are definitely getting picked on mm. by, by, by the cops. But it's so easy for them to target the most vulnerable, which are migrant workers who speak little or no English and don't have visas. So now we're moving on to some uh, pretty big stories in the union movement. We've got a huge victory for the TWU against Qantas here. Hell yeah! workers defeat Qantas, High Court confirms sackings were illegal. In a massive win for union members, the High Court of Australia today ruled that Qantas's sacking of 1,700 ground and baggage workers was illegal. The case was brought by the Transport Workers Union in a long battle in which two federal court rulings found that Qantas's outsourcing of jobs during the pandemic breached the Fair Work Act and was motivated by a desire to avoid enterprise bargaining and protected industrial action. Not yet satisfied, the TWU is saying Richard Goida and the entire Qantas board must be replaced by new directors, including a worker representative. The TWU has also called on new CEO Vanessa Hudson... Wow, Vanessa Hudson sounds very similar to Vanessa Hutchinson, <laughs> and I just did a double take, to publicly apologise to illegally sacked workers and commit to a speedy and non-adversarial approach to federal court hearings on compensation and penalties. Three unanimous rulings from the federal court and high court found Qantas breached the Fair Work Act. Outsourcing workers prevented them accessing industrial rights to collectively bargain and take productive protected industrial action. Qantas previously convinced the federal court not to reinstate the workers, saying that if it did, Qantas management would sack them all over again. Since the outsourcing, Qantas's service has nosedived. Complaints increased 70% in 2022 amid high cancellations, delays and lost baggage. Qantas faces three further court challenges. An unprecedented criminal prosecution from the New South Wales safety regulator for standing down a health and safety representative during the pandemic. Record penalties of $600 million sought by the ACCC for selling cancelled flights. A class action from angry customers who say they were misled and denied refunds. TWU National Secretary Michael Caine paid tribute to the workforce's determination to hold Qantas management to account. Qantas workers have made history today. It has been three years and 20 days since Alan Joyce first announced the decision to outsource these workers, and they have not stopped fighting for a moment to ensure justice was served. The final act of this board should be to strip Alan Joyce of his bonuses and follow him out the door. 
The choice regime has been toppled, but the airline cannot achieve the reset necessary for its survival under the same board that resided over the largest case of illegal sackings in Australian corporate history. Richard Goiter cannot make it through another day as chair. Qantas needs a fresh start. A work of voice on the board would make a significant difference and send the right signal that Qantas is serious about getting back on track. All eyes will be on Vanessa Hudson as she responds to to this verdict. Illegally sacked workers are owed an apology and an end to Qantas's attempts to delay paying compensation and penalties. Hudson must reverse the destructive business model at Qantas that has exploited or attempted to manufacture loopholes to axe and outsource essential workers to 38 different entities. These actions have destroyed the airline and its reputation. The airline and the industry need saving from themselves. We need federal parliament to urgently pass closing the loopholes bill and the federal government to establish an independent commission to ensure aviation decisions are made in the interest of workers, customers and the public. That's right. They they hired scab workers and the scab workers sucked. Yeah. Uh, who would have thought that when you remove your trained workforce and replace them with outsourced workers, uh, you get a 70% increase in complaints. Yo, working for Qantas is hard. Working at an airport, there's lots of stuff. Lots mm. and lots of security and checking and and where's this going at what time and, you know, there's like a lot, you know what I mean? Mm. And so they hired the scab workers and and they... Seventy <laughs> percent. Everyone's irate. No one can find their bags. All these flights are delayed. It's like, what did you expect? Maybe don't illegally sack all your workers, then, hey? <laughs> yeah, it's it's great to see this uh, win for the TWU. This is huge. They Qantas. The 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 court ruled in their favour. Um, but what's even better to see is that the TWU is not satisfied with just that. They they want to push further. They want to make sure right. that something like this never happens again. Um, you can't just sack all your workers for yeah. taking industrial action and hire a bunch of scabs and get away with it. Change has to be made at a fundamental level here, and the TUWU is fighting hard for that. Um, that's really awesome. Um, Shouts out to those workers. Absolutely. Uh, we've got one more story here. Um, this is also our scallywag of the week. Uh, it is Chevron who are gambling on untested laws to halt Australia LNG strike action. Chevron Australia no longer expects to reach a deal with unions and will instead pursue an untested legal strategy to stop industrial action at its Gorgon and Wheatstone liquefied natural gas facilities as unions prepare for full-scale strikes. Chevron's strategy is based on laws introduced in June from the Secure Jobs Better Pay Act. The dispute between Chevron and workers at its two liquefied natural gas natural facility natural gas facilities in Australia will be heard by the Industrial Relations Tribunal on this 22nd of September potentially offering a resolution to strikes which began last Friday the commission will hold a single hearing at the stage the officer the office of its president Adam Hatcher told Reuters declining to say how long it would take for the tribunal to rule on the matter the act requires the commission to act as soon as practical as practical so time frames are quite tight the office said unions had argued for a later hearing date in november the office added 
In a statement, Chevron said the tribunal's decision provided a clear path forward for all parties to resolve an agreement. The unions did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Uh, the case will be a landmark test of laws first introduced in June, which empower the tribunal to force parties into an agreement they themselves are unable to make. Chevron opted for this legal route after five days of negotiations with unions representing workers at its Wheatstone and Gorgon facilities bre broke down last Friday without a deal. Uh, Chevron said on Monday it sees no reasonable prospect of agreement. Hundreds of workers at the facility, which account for over 5% of global supply, started short strikes on Friday. Two weeks of 24-hour strikes are scheduled from Thursday, although the unions have discretion over how long they actually stop work. Energy analyst Saul Kavonik said the expedited date could lead unions to strike more aggressively in the days leading up to the hearing. It could be protracted, and in the meantime unions may feel they need to strike more strongly heading into the arbitration process, he said. The strikes and threat of potential supply disruptions from the world's largest LNG exporter have raised concerns about the prices of super-chilled fuel ahead of the Northern Hemisphere winter. Um, yeah, so this is pretty interesting we know we heard about the um some of the concessions made in the um better job the the secure jobs better pay act um back when rafu was rallying against it because of the uh the changes it made to the boot test um uh, and we're seeing here one of the other concessions um that was made in the act to the bosses um here chevron are using it against uh the um lng workers um to stop a strike basically well i hope chevron's sinister plot goes the same way as qantas I hope it worked out, works out for them just as well as Qantas has did mm. for them. Well, the, the, I assume it'll be a bit different because this is a legal strategy uh, using the brand new laws as opposed to something that is just outright illegal. <laughs> well, it should be illegal. It should be illegal. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna. Uh, Chevron wins the Scallywag of the Week this uh, this week, um, but I'm gonna give a quick shout out to the ALP for all the concessions they made in their Secure Jobs Better Pay Act, giving power to the bosses and allowing them to shut down strikes, which is something uh, I'm sure bill would be aw uh, awfully pissed off about given yeah. his uh commitment to the right to strike uh, we're awfully pissed off about it um because the right to strike is something that uh every worker deserves shouts out to the alp for showing up to every labor day rally and then making concessions to take <laughs> away our rights to strike yeah um <laughs> Hopefully, the, the workers, uh, as energy analyst Saul Kavonik said, um, hopefully the unions do end up striking aggressively leading up to the arbitration. Um, that, that would be the way to do it, to get as much bargaining power as you can before you're forced into a... Um, for, forced into a, a agreement by the government. Um, yeah, it, it, it'll be an interesting thing to watch because, as they're saying, these are untested laws. This is something brand new. The this uh, the way the government can stand in to um, stop the strike in this situation. They're always coming up with new dumb laws. Hmm. Um. All right, but we are quickly running out of time. 
thank you very much for listening. See you next Tuesday. See you comrades. next Tuesday. <laughs>